that spirit of love that we may truly be open to hearing your word, that we may be true disciples who follow you and look to live like you in new life in everything we do that impacts our communities, impacts our lives, impacts those who we are closest to. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. This is kind of a transition week for us, uh, this Labor Day weekend, as we transition from our summer uh, time to our fall time, and as we start Not a Fan next week. And again, I encourage you, this week, providentially, I had nothing to do with this, Family Christian Bookstore on East State Street is selling Not a Fan, the book, for half off. So if you have not bought your book, you can go to that store, walk in the door this weekend, tomorrow, Monday, buy the book, save $7, $8. If you've already bought it, I'm sorry. You know, buy, buy one for a friend. That's right. Good idea. So I, I feel like that's very providential for us, uh, that that just so happens, and that's kind of exciting. But yes, uh, you can get it anywhere and encourage you to do that. Form starts not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. So tonight, we are going to look at the uh, theme series from our first year of ministry, Finders 5. I want to read this passage from uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew 18. If you have your Bibles with you, your Bible apps, you can get those open now. Matthew 18, uh, verses 10 through 14. And this is where our uh, theme finding comes from. Take care that you do not despise one of these little ones uh, as an aside. Jesus has brought a a young child forward to him and is teaching his disciples about the kingdom of heaven. So that's what's happening. So that's who he's talking about. For I tell you, in heaven, their angels continually see the face of my Father in heaven. For the Son of Man came to save the lost. What do you think if a shepherd has a hundred sheep? And one of them's gone astray? Does he not leave 99 on the mountain to go in search of that one that went astray? And if he finds it truly, I tell you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that never went away. So So it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should be lost. We believe Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And his followers of Jesus were called to partner in that ministry of seeking and salvation. Here at New Life, we call this finding. It is the one of the three things we believe is key to discipleship. And we're going to talk a lot about discipleship in the next six weeks, and we have this entire year, because that's our theme this year. But in the whole aspect of discipleship, we believe there are three things, finding, forming, forwarding we developed our worship service and our ministry and everything around those three things finding people forming them and forwarding them out into the world but finding is the first step so tonight we're going to review a lot of information if you remember this entire series from our first year taking five series and kind of putting it into one it's a lot of stuff so hang on there how we find people, who we should try to be finding, and finally some things hopefully we can do this week um, to engage in this ministry with Jesus Christ. 
So first I want to tell a story. And that story is about a salesperson. Uh, I love salespeople. I've gotten to know a lot of salespeople over the years. This particular salesman sold swimsuits. You may have heard this story before. And he was a very good swimsuit salesman. He worked for one of those companies, uh, you know, kind of those outdoor companies, uh, big, you know, catalog kind of companies. And he was on vacation in Alaska, and he noticed something. Like up, at, not in the nice part of Alaska, like the really cold part of Alaska in the Arctic Circle, that area. And he noticed something. There were no swimsuits in the stores. So he had an epiphany. He said, I'm going to take everything, I'm going to pack it up, I'm going to move to Alaska, and I'm going to sell swimsuits. Because it's a totally open market. No competition. Now, a lot of people thought he was crazy because if you've ever been to the Arctic, it's a little cold. And when he got to Alaska and he started talking to the people, he realized, quite simply, they didn't swim, not because they liked or didn't like swimming. They didn't swim because it was impossible to swim in the Arctic seas because of the extremely cold temperature. But he didn't give up. He lived with these, uh, in this community of people for several years, or several months, excuse me. And he got an idea. And he called his developers and, and the people who made the swimsuits. And he worked with them and he worked with them. And finally, he developed a swimsuit that could resist the cold temperatures of those Arctic waters. He got the shipments in, and wouldn't you know it, Everybody in that town, everybody in that community wanted one of those swimsuits. And he made a lot of money. And he did a lot of work. The swimsuits, or, or I should say the salesperson, didn't wait for the people in that community to come buy swimsuits from him. He didn't wait for opportunities to come. He went to somewhere where no one had swimsuits and found a way to share the love of swimming with them. He found an opportunity, and he also found a lot of success. Now, evangelism, the art of finding people and sharing the, Jesus, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, is a lot like being a salesperson. So before we go try to find those people in our lives who we need to share that message with, we need to be equipped with some principles. And I think the principles this salesperson used in his life are effective tools for how we find people uh, with the gospel message and how we uh, can be equipped to do finding ministry more successfully. So these are seven keys to sales that this salesperson used and believed in. And I believe these are also wonderful tools for us. So the first is believe in the products. That's pretty self-explanatory. You will never be a good salesperson of the gospel of Jesus Christ of new life if you don't believe that it is worth having. If you do not believe that a relationship with Jesus Christ and the new life he offers is something special, why would you try to sell it to someone else? First, you have to believe in the product. Second, you have to believe you, people need the product. I believe people need Christ in their lives. 
I believe the new life Christ offers them is transformative and it offers them a lot better things than most other products in the world or all other products in the world. And so I believe in this product and we need to believe in it and believe that people need it if we're going to be effective in communicating and effective in sharing and effective basically in selling it. Third, and maybe one of the most important keys, you need to understand the needs of the customer. Now, if the salesman in the story had gone up to Alaska and tried to sell bikinis, he would have been very unsuccessful. But he got to know the people. And he got to understand what the problem was. And he was able to share with them a way around it. So as we get into relationships, we have a key and a better understanding of those people around us and we know what they need and we know how to offer them our product, New Life in Jesus Christ, in a better way. For example, if you have a friend who's looking for more intimate relationships, maybe don't go on and on about the music of New Life. Talk about the relationships. If you have a friend who likes music, maybe talk about the music. Or etc. You can you understand. Fourthly, offer an excellent product. We need to offer something excellent. Now we try to do that in everything we do here at New Life. I'm not saying it always works from week to week or, or from program to program, but that is something that depends on everyone here. The product that we are selling is not a good worship experience. It is transformed life through Jesus Christ. And that is something we are all involved in. So as the community grows, as the community grows closer to Christ and one another, we are offering a better and better product. Fifthly, and very similarly, we need to embody the product. If you're selling new life in Jesus Christ, people need to see that. If you're selling something and then you completely do something else, no one's going to buy that. No one's going to buy into this new life thing if you are not living it, embodying it, if you're not alive for Christ. As Paul says. Sixthly, you have to market the product. Now we are all involved in sales when it comes to marketing the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not just the responsibility of the staff or key leaders or people on program teams or anything else. It is everyone's job to share this message, to help other people come to that new life. And finally, persevere. It takes a long time to share effectively with someone the good news of Jesus Christ. That is why we don't go randomly knocking on people's doors and asking them if they know Jesus Christ. I'm not saying don't do that if you feel called to do it. But we believe that the most effective way to make disciples is in relationships. And if, you need to, uh, if you're going to be in a relationship, you need to know the person. And if you're going to build a relationship, it takes time. And if you're going to get to a place where you can share openly how Christ has changed and transformed your life and what that new life means, it may take time. 
And even if you get to that place and you share over and over and over again, it may take more time for it to sink in. It may take time in that person's life, a moment that something happens for them to be ready to hear it so you cannot give up. You have to persevere. So those are seven keys to sales. If you're a salesperson, you know, maybe those help you as well. But I believe these are things that also help us in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Now that we have some principles in hand for finding, you need to know who it is you're trying to find. And that brings us to the Finders Five. The Finders Five is an ever-expanding circle of people. I have no idea what this looks like back on the screen here. Oh, here, okay, yeah. An ever-expanding kind of a ring of relationships that helps us understand who we are supposed to engage in as Christ followers. Who we're supposed to share the good news of Jesus Christ with. It all starts with you and your relationship with Christ. Then it moves to family, friends, faces in the crowd, the forgotten, and the forsaken. As we quickly uh, explore this, these Finder Five, I think we're going to see not only how we can engage these people, but how Christ also engaged each group in this group of relationships. So let's start, just quickly go through the Finders Five. Now, uh, Jesus had an interesting relationship with his family. In, uh, and throughout the Gospel, we see Jesus... Uh, kind, kind of having a, a strange relationship with his family. Of course, his cousin John and him had a relationship. Uh, John baptized him, uh, and then they, they had disciples. They shared disciples for a while. Uh, Mary, of course, uh, his mother, had some interesting relationships, and later James, uh, his brother, would uh, be part of the church. But in John chapter 19, we find Jesus being crucified. So there was a lot on his mind at that point in the story. But during that event, when, uh, however you you theologically understand that the sins of of all humankind are weighing on Christ's shoulders, uh, or or just physically the suffering and the pain of, of this kind of excruciating execution, during that moment, he chooses to minister to his mother. And this is exceptionally important and often overlooked. Jesus looks down, uh, although really probably just about a foot, and his mother and John and another Mary, and there's a lot of Marys, so we'll talk about them, but he looks to his mother Mary and looks to his uh, perhaps closest friend John and disciple. And in that moment when there's probably a lot more on Jesus' mind than the well-being of his mother, he tells her, you are his son. And she is your mother. Because once Jesus was gone, there was no one to take care of Mary, his mother. And so Jesus met a very important need that she would be cared for, looked after, that she would have a place to live and food to eat, and a relationship with people around her, a family. As we minister with our, fr- uh, with our family, it can be exceptionally hard 
Because our family always knew us when. They always knew us when we were young. And if, if we didn't come from a Christian family or we don't come from a Christian family, it's even harder because they don't understand necessarily what the transition was. But one of the most important things we can do in ministry with our family and trying to share the gospel with our family is working to do just what Jesus did and help meet their needs in real and powerful ways. It may not always seem like a good idea. You may not always like it. But Jesus took time to minister to his family. And we should too. Now Jesus had a lot of friends, at least 12 really good ones that we know about. But he had some friends before he got all messianic, before he got all I'm the son of God stuff. And three of those friends were Mary, because there's a lot of Marys. I'm sorry the creativity in that time was real not high for, for girls' names. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. These were three friends of Jesus that had known him a long time. And in John chapter 11, we see Jesus share new life with each one of them. Uh, and a wonderful passage, I encourage you to read it this week. Jesus doesn't just go in and say, I'm Lord, here's the new life. Like, he does that a lot, actually, throughout Scripture. But Jesus knows these three intimately. And he knows how to minister to them. Martha, he gets in an argument with. Which, for all you Marthas out there, is what you need sometimes. Mary, he just sits and cries with. And Lazarus, he raises from the dead. Quite literally. Now, the last one was pretty easy to see what he needed. But in each of these cases, Jesus understood how to communicate to each one of his friends in a unique way, in a way that would speak to them this message of new life in a beautiful passage, if you have time to read it this week. You have the best opportunity to share the gospel with your friends because you know them better than anyone. There is nobody else in, on deck waiting to share the gospel with your friends. Now it is hard because your friends also knew you when. And if you have friends like I have friends, they knew you when some stupid stuff. Right? But they have the most opportunity to truly see what you have, new life in Christ. And you have the best opportunity to share what they need to hear. Now faces in the crowd are these people we see every, every day, every week. They're uh, casual acquaintances, that kind of thing. And there were a lot of people that followed Jesus, and a lot of them just kind of stuck to the crowds. If you read throughout Scripture, there's a lot of crowd stuff going on. There's a lot of crowds. And one of these faces we find in Luke 19. And that's where we hear the story of Zacchaeus. If you don't remember, he was a wee little man. That's a, nope, seriously, nobody. They're, they're doing that song tonight, right? No, 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 no. So yeah, some, some of you can sing it. 
It's a great, it's a great song. I don't know why it has anything to do with anything that we learned in Sunday school, but it's a great little song. Zacchaeus wanted a kind of set-apart relationship with Christ. He was just one of those faces in the crowd. Maybe Jesus had seen him at you know, rallies and at synagogues and times he had been preaching in the temple, but Zacchaeus was always just kind of uh, in the background. And so how did Jesus deal with Zacchaeus? He stopped, he pointed to him, he called him out, and he went over to his house. He engaged him in some pretty uh, uh, real and, and pretty intimate ways. He offered Zacchaeus this opportunity. Now, faces in the crowd are people we see every single day. Co-workers, security guards, waitresses, delivery people, customers. But as we grow closer to Christ, we have to start noticing these are people who have a need for new life in Jesus Christ. And we have the opportunity to share that with them in real ways, just by engaging them in small conversation, just by getting them to know them a little bit more and more. And we may be the only people who have that opportunity in their lives. We may be the only person who has the opportunity to share this message with them. So we have to take those opportunities. Now we go to the forgotten. Since Jesus came to save and seek the lost, you can imagine there are a lot of stories of Jesus engaging the forgotten. But one of my favorite comes from John chapter 5. There's a sick man who is at a healing pool known for its healing qualities. And this man is unable to get into the pool and so is looking for help for a simple thing to get into those waters so that he could be healed. He's gotten up to the edge of the pool, but he cannot get into the pool himself. And the story says that there are people passing by one after another after another. He was forgotten. But Jesus stops. And if you know the story, Jesus doesn't just offer him help, he offers him new life. Not just healing from an affirmity, but healing from sin. Healing from everything, as Christ can do. So who are the forgotten in your life? Who do you pass by? Who have you neglected as life has gotten busier and busier? Sometimes family and friends can become forgotten as the busyness of life continues. But it is our call to be the ones who remember. As we grow closer to Christ, we have to grow closer to those who no one is remembering. That brings us to the hardest group, the forsaken. Now, if anyone has ever in the history of all time done ministry to the forsaken, it is Jesus Christ. Because he did ministry with lepers who no one wanted to touch. He did ministry with prostitutes and tax collectors and Gentiles. And in one of my favorite 
stories in the Gospel of John. That doesn't have anything to do with a miracle because John's all about miracles. Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman at a well. I won't go into the long theological explanation about why Samaritans were hated, but they were hated. Even so that the disciples, the 12 disciples who were with Jesus, wanted nothing to do with this woman. And this woman wasn't just even hated by the Jewish people because she was Samaritan. She was hated by her own people, which was why she was in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, getting water because no one else was at the well. But Jesus took time. And maybe the longest conversation Jesus has with anyone in the Gospel of John, one-on-one, including Nicodemus, including Pilate, including others, he sits and he engages with her. And he offers her living water. He offers her new life. And that new life transforms her so much that she becomes the first preacher in that gospel. And she shares that new life with the people of her town and with others. Now, this is the hardest group to do ministry with because this is the group that you don't like. No. What I'm saying is, for each of us, this group is different because this group goes into our hearts and deals with our isms and our biases and our pain. The people that have hurt us, the groups that have hurt us, the people that for some reason we are set against, either because of racism or sexism or ageism or other isms. There's a lot of them, if you didn't know. But engaging this group is what Jesus did. And engaging this group is what Jesus calls us to do. And I think if you are engaged in this ministry with people you can't stand you're maybe a lot closer to Christ than you think you are. So those are the finders five. Family, friends, faces in the crowd, the forgotten, and the forsaken. It's not a a linear path, but I believe as we grow in Christ, we get a a, a little more understanding of these people. And, And it's not just about our immediate family. It's not just about those friends that we have. It's not just about the people we pass by on the street. It becomes about more people, people we've never met, people we don't know. It becomes about all people needing to hear the message that Christ died for them and rose for them so that they can have new life. I want to leave you with just a few simple things that you can do to engage each one of these groups this week. Cannot get more practical than what I'm about to say because the Finders Five is a lot to take on. But we can do it one step at a time. So here are five simple things I believe you can do this week to be in ministry and share the gospel with each one of these groups. First is family. Schedule a family meal this week. I know some of you are saying, well, we eat as a family every week and every day because we're perfect. Okay, step back. 
schedule a family meal this week without TVs, without phones, without pods, pads, or anything else. Take the time to eat and not just shovel down the food. Do not do it in a noisy or busy place. Do not do it when you are in a hurry. Take time and around a table, if you didn't know, tables are fairly important in the Bible and the story of Jesus. And so around a table, whether it is your immediate family or an extended family, whatever family means to you, and talk to the people who you consider your family and see what they need. Ask them, because this is your family. Ask them, what do you need from me this week? What can I do to honor you, to serve you, to show you that I love you, to show you that Christ loves you? You may think that's that's a lot harder. That's probably the hardest one on here. My wife says we can't have my cell phone out at dinner table, so I'm making sure none of you can either. No. No. Second, friends. I want you to call up an old friend. Uh, or, or maybe a friend you just haven't talked to in a while, or maybe someone who you do talk to but uh, you haven't had a lot of time with, and just catch up. Spend some time just talking about what's going on in their lives. Maybe that friend, maybe there's been somebody on your mind who you said, man, I just got to call them. I got to, you know, just stop over. I got to text or Skype or whatever you do. Just spend an opportunity because maybe they need to hear from you this week. Or maybe they have something to share with you. Now faces in the crowd, we're getting into more difficult territory. Someone that you see every week, um, not a family or friend, but like somebody that I said, whoever the faces in the crowd are for you. Uh, maybe it's the security uh, guard at your work. Maybe it's the uh, barista at Starbucks. Um, that's for Todd, because I know he goes to Starbucks a lot. Uh, wh- whoever it is, I want you to engage them very simply. Whatever, however you engage them normally, hi, how are you, good, thank you, and then leave. I want you to say this. I'm praying that you have a good week. That's all I'm asking. I'm praying that you have a good week. Now, if that leads into more conversation, maybe ask for what other things you could pray for. But that's what I'm asking. Engage that person you see every single week. Tell them that you're praying that they have a blessed week. Now, the forgotten. Again, a little harder. But I want you, if you have the ability to do so, if not, however you communicate with the rest of the world, you can come here and use our computers. I want you to go to, you may need to write this down, the General Board of Global Ministries, which is www.gbgm-umc.org, because we don't do anything simple in our church. The General Board of Global Ministry. That is our part of our denomination that focuses on ministry around the world and mission around the world. And I want you just to search around on that. It's, it is kind of a clunky website. Uh, but however you do that, and you can Google mission or whatever, or, or you can get a map or a globe and you can spin it and you can point on a country that you've never been to. And I want you to pray for a people, a nation, a person, or a ministry you've never heard of before. However you can do that, however you can engage in that. 
Now comes the forsaken. Again, a very difficult group. But I want you to think this week about a person or a group that you've forsaken. Maybe there's a person you're holding a grudge against. Maybe there is an ism that kind of takes hold of your life. And I want you not to engage them, but I want you to pray to God to heal whatever pain is causing that to be the case in your life. Again, it's hard to get specific because this is different for everyone. And if you love everyone, then good on you, I guess. Some of us aren't perfect yet, so you tell us how you did it and we'll come and listen to you speak next week. No. But however that is, whoever that looks like, yeah. You know, I'm just saying. There's probably somebody you're upset with. There's probably some group. I'm going to give you a hint here without being too political. If you listen to political radio, there's a group that you have an ism against. And I'm not saying one side or the other. I'm saying both sides. There's a group you have an ism against. And that's not what we're called to do. I'm not saying you can't be this or that or anything else. Sure you can. But you're not called to hate. You're not called to divide. You're not called to pull apart. You may not like so-and-so. You may not like such-and-such. I don't like a lot of things. Believe me. I let people know on a regular basis. But as Christ followers, we're called to be in ministry with all people. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, not just a few. Yes, Margie. The only unforgivable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That's in Mark chapter 6.33. I'm not familiar with that. I can look this week. The only unforgivable sin I know is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And that is a whole sermon in itself. Believe me, what that means. That is quite... Uh, I, I actually have written several papers on that if you want to read that. This week, in your free time, I have great exegetical papers on the unforgivable sin. Um, it's quite interesting, actually. But um, that's the only one I know. So I do not believe there is a group uh, that Christ hates, that's for sure. Yes, Bob? Yeah, yeah, yes, 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 uh, yeah, that, that's... Um, so, engage in these things. Challenge yourself. We are all growing. We are all moving. And it is hard. But Jesus Christ calls to us to engage in all people. That doesn't mean all people will engage in Jesus Christ. Hear that. But we persevere and we continue to grow. Amen. As we transition now to our uh, forwarding time of praise, we are doing something different as we are wont to do here at New Life. So if you like it, great. And if you don't, 
you know, maybe wait a couple days to tell us? You know, save it? Because we do some things different, and uh, we just had an epiphany, so that's what we're doing this week. So what, what's happening? I'm not going to talk. We have a couple big things coming up in September. Uh, going to wait till next week to talk about that. But Not a Fan starts next week. Six-week series, Are You a Fan or a Follower of Jesus Christ? And it is all about how do we become committed disciples of Jesus Christ? How do we go from just being a fan of Jesus to being a committed follower of Jesus? It is a great, great series, a great topic. I think you're going to enjoy it. The book is really cool. Uh, hopefully the sermons that, that I present will be informative beyond that. Um, and, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Uh, if you can come to Wednesday night at 5.30, our Wednesday night groups, that is one way to engage in it. But you can get together in smaller groups on your own as your family, as your friends, uh, as groups in the church. Uh, get together, talk about the book, however that uh, is best to you. Um, the book is available everywhere. This is an easy book to get. You can go to Family Christian. You can go to Barnes & Noble. You can go to maybe even Target and Walmart have it. I'm not real sure about that. But uh, Amazon, uh, BarnesandNoble.com, uh, Kindle, iPad, whatever you use, you can probably get this book on because uh, it's a fairly popular book that's been out here now for a year or two. So encourage you to come uh, be part of that. Uh, if you have your jersey... Uh, if you were here in the beginning and you have your jersey, uh, feel free to wear your jersey. If uh, not, you know, maybe you have other jerseys you want to wear, uh, you know, as long as they're not certain teams from Indiana. No, I'm sorry. she can't hear me probably. Yeah, she's not paying attention, so no. I'm just trying to give your wife a hard time. But feel free, yep, any sports kind of stuff, we'll uh, try to have a little fun with that. And uh, Jeff is working on some videos. Do you have everybody, where is Jeff? He's not here. Uh, d does he still need more people for videos? Get a yes or a no up there. Okay, so never mind about that. Uh, but we're going to have some fun videos uh, talking about what it means to be a fan um, and, and how we uh, live that out. So let us uh, now... Uh, as we transition to our forwarding time, uh, we'll collect our offering and then we will uh, have a prayer here remembering those who cannot be with us tonight. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for all the opportunities you have given us today. The opportunities to engage these groups of people in ministry. We ask that you truly allow us with your love and with your spirit to partner with you to be in ministry to all people wherever they may be in our lives. We ask that you be with all of the leaders of this world, the leaders of our nation, the leaders of our communities. Help them find ways to bring to this world peace Help them lead us to your kingdom in all that they do. We ask that you be with all of those who serve our military men and women overseas, those at home, those who serve us in our neighborhoods, our police officers, our firefighters, our medical personnel, those who are working on our highways, working on our lawns, working at our favorite restaurant. Help us be servant leaders 
in all that we do. Lord, we ask that you truly just be with the least of these. Be with all those who are alone, those who are lost, those who are suffering. We ask that you be with those who are under oppression, those who face injustice. Help us share a message of hope with all people we can. Open your son. Lord, we ask that you be with your church, be with all communities, all bodies of Christ throughout this world, and be with new life. Help us truly be devoted followers of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we can truly help in the ministry of transforming lives and transforming worlds. We pray this in your holy name.